Well, good morning again. Praise God for being the King of Kings, um, and Happy New Year. You know, we are starting a new year, and um, again, you know, we want to encourage you guys. We want to see more and more of you guys here in person. I know for a lot of you guys, you're feeling safer at home, but we'd love to see you guys here. It really does make a difference. It really does make things feel um, new and fresh. It's been a long time since we've been able to worship together. So I want to encourage you guys, as you know, and we'll be mentioning this earlier, that this will be the last month that we'll be showing services on Zoom, um, unless, you know, there is a reason to do so. So for those of you guys on Zoom, for those of you, I, uh, for you on YouTube Live, we want to welcome you. Let me open us up in prayer. Lord Jesus, um, Lord, this is a new year, Lord, and so many things seem so similar, Lord. Um, than they have been in the last two years, Lord. But I truly believe, Lord, in my heart that, Lord, you're wanting to do something new. Lord, that through um, the struggling, through the suffering, through the changes, through um, some of the chaos, Lord, that our world is going through, Lord, that you are revealing your truth and your love for all of us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would not only be a church, but we would be a people, Lord, who are not only open to change, but desiring that new thing, Lord. So I just pray for all of us, Lord, and we just pray for your will to be done. We pray this in your name. Amen. As I mentioned, this is a new year, and for several of you, you guys have already heard me talking about just truly believing that God is wanting to do something new. And I have mentioned over the last two years, um, one of the kind of sad realities that we have faced as a church as Christians is Nearly one-third of Christians, those who consider themselves Christians that maybe go to church at least once a month, that they have walked away from the church. They're not attending in person. They're not attending online. I was a few weeks ago watching a news, um, kind of a show with my dad in, in Colorado, and they were talking about how the church in America is dying. The evangelical church in America is dying, and I believe that's true in many ways. And unfortunately, they said the reasons why in the last couple of years the church in America is dying more than it ever has is because of politics, because things going on with COVID, um, things going on with racial injustice. These are things that are dividing the church. And unfortunately, people are getting so upset that they're leaving the church because they don't think God cares. They don't think God is out there. And unfortunately, Christians or people that call themselves Christians are bickering with one another. But what's so amazing about this, as I've talked to different mentors and different pastor friends of mine, what we're seeing is that the people that are sticking around, those people that are staying committed to Christ, they're on fire. They want something new. And that's because a change is coming. God wants to do something different. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, or starting a new series that's going to be called When God is Up to Something New, or when, it's, when God is Just Doing Something, something incredible, something that we haven't experienced before. And although we know that as a new year comes in, it's not necessarily that anything changes in a new year, but it's a great time to kind of rethink and reevaluate things. It's a great time to start new things. And the reality is that we serve a God, we believe in a God of new beginnings. And we see this throughout the Bible. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. 
The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. You know, sometimes it can feel like that. It can feel like we are stuck. It can feel like nothing new is happening. But God is reminding us that He is a God of new beginnings. Maybe we just don't see it. We don't perceive it. Ephesians 4, 24, And to put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. So incredible. When we believe in God, when we are saved, we become a new creation. In Isaiah 65, verse 17, See, I will create new, heaven, new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. So even our eternal future is all about a new beginning. It's all about God doing something different. And God uses these new beginnings for a variety of different reasons. Sometimes we get stuck, and I think we can all relate to that, that we get stuck doing the same thing. Nothing seems to change, and it gets very frustrating. And sometimes God allows a new beginning to change that so we can get unstuck. Sometimes we have gotten so far away from God's will, and we are so caught up in sin. And I believe that that's part of the problem with many of the churches in America. Maybe that's a problem with our own church here, that we have gotten so far away from God's will that we're doing what we want to do, not what God wants to do. So he needs to bring about a new beginning. Sometimes God needs to get our attention. I hope people through the last two years with everything going on have realized there's a lot of sin in our lives. There's a lot of sin in the world, and we need Jesus Christ. We need a new beginning. Sometimes we need to experience forgiveness. Sometimes we are beating ourselves up too much because of things that we have done, areas that we've struggled in. And sometimes we need to express forgiveness to others. Therefore, we need a new beginning. And then the final point I put up here is sometimes we need to refocus and find a new motivation. And again, I think that's a problem churches have today. What are we focused on? What is the church really about? Is it a resort? Is it a country club? Or is it the house of God where we are called to make disciples of all people? The church needs a new beginning. I want to talk about in the next couple of weeks three specific new beginnings that Christians can experience in their lives. And the first one is rebirth. And when you look at the definition of that, the biblical definition, it's to bring forth, to be conceived. The second beginning or new beginning is renewal. And this is defined as a change of heart and life to make something fresh. And the final one is revival, to bring life and to cause to grow. And I think we can all admit 
We need to experience all of those. But maybe most of all, we need revival. We need revival in the world. The Bay Area has never gone through a true spiritual revival. It has been a long time since the world has seen a true spiritual revival, one that is transforming when people come to Christ in huge numbers. That's what we need to be praying for. So today we're going to be focusing on rebirth because this is where everything begins. And I want to read a story in John, John's Gospel, chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 21. And so I brought out the paper Bible because so often we love technology, and I do, but I thought, hey, you know what? Let's start off the new year, and let's go to the Word of God here. And so if you guys uh, want to turn to your Bibles, if you guys have your apps, that's fine too. So we're going to go to John chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 21. I'm going to be reading the NIV version today. This is a story about a guy named Nicodemus. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through 
God. Amen? I mean, that right there sums it up. That's what salvation is all about. But what's so interesting is that we have a religious leader, and I would say that we can compare that to someone who has gone to church, who calls themselves a Christian, who has been going to church for many years. And there are those, just like Nicodemus, that they really don't understand what salvation is about. That's why myself, I sometimes struggle with altar calls. And I know some of you may wonder, why? It's because there's more to salvation. There's more to accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior than just raising up your hand. It is a head and a heart thing. But it's even more than that. It's rebirthing. It's changing. It's something different happening within you. Now, when most people talk about rebirth, they are talking about salvation. That is typically what we are talking about. And the reason that we need to be reborn or experience rebirth is due to Adam and Eve and their disobedience in the Garden of Eden. By their sin, it, or, or by, well, yeah, ultimately their sin, they brought sin, they allowed sin to come into the world, and they allowed death to come into the world as well. And since we are all descendants of Adam and Eve, we are all cursed with a sin nature that wants to live in opposition of God's will. But praise God and how incredible He is and His love for us that He didn't leave us in this state of perpetual sin. God provided us with an opportunity for a new beginning. So this is what rebirth is about. That's why we're going to get into some details because what breaks my heart is there are people out there who think they're saved, but they're not. Scripture tells us that there's going to be some that will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And, and in the end, we see that passage and it says, Jesus says, I, I never knew you. Away from me. There's people out there claiming Christ and they really don't know him as their Lord and Savior. So it should not surprise you that the Barna Group tells us these scary statistics of how many people have walked away from the church. It shouldn't surprise you because it's pretty easy to walk away from something that you don't understand and you never really believed in in the first place. That's why we have to get it right. We have to understand what rebirth means. And it means accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But there's more than that. It means that there's something changing within you. And again, this is because of Jesus and God's love for us and having that new beginning that comes through Jesus' death. Jesus died for our sins. This meant and it means that Jesus became that which God hates. God hates sin, and Jesus was put in that position because of his love for us. It also meant Jesus, he became the sacrifice for our sins. The consequences that we should be experiencing, we don't because Jesus loves us so much. He became that ultimate sacrifice for our sins, not for his. We know that Jesus was sinless. He died for our sins. That new beginning that Jesus 
allowed, that he brought forth, it also meant that death was conquered because Jesus died and he rose from the grave three days after his crucifixion. 2 Timothy 1.10, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Because of Jesus, we can experience eternal life in heaven with God. We don't have to worry about dying and that being the end. We get to spend our lives with Jesus if we truly believe in him, if we truly experience rebirth through Jesus' sacrifice. Now here's the thing, as I talk about this concept of rebirth or being born again, it means that something needs to die or that something has died. Romans 6.6, 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. In Colossians 3, verses 1 through 5, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. So being born again in, as Christians means you've died to your old nature. You've died to the way you used to live. Now instead of living for yourself, you're living for God. Instead of seeking your own selfish desires, you're seeking what God desires. But there's an important reminder that even when you truly accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you are forgiven of your sins, and you have the blessing of spending eternity with God, even when those things happen, and despite those things, unfortunately, we still succumb to sin. We still struggle. We are still vulnerable each and every day to sin. That's why the only way that we can truly die to ourselves and overcome our sin nature doesn't mean that we're sinless or we will never sin again, but the only way that we can do that is with some help. And here's where another aspect of rebirth or being born again comes in. And that's in this incredible reality and an incredible gift that when we truly accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it allows the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. John 16, 7. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I am leaving. This is Jesus speaking. For if I do not leave, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
when Jesus ascended into heaven, it meant that Jesus would no longer be the one guiding and teaching and directing the disciples. That's because God was up to something. God was going to do something new. The Holy Spirit would now be the one guiding and teaching and empowering the disciples. And the Holy Spirit is the person of God who does the same for Christians today. That's why we spent two months talking about the Holy Spirit last year, because the Scripture tells us there are people that don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. And we know that it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to do ministry. It's the Holy Spirit that blesses us with incredible gifts to do the will of God. And it's the Holy Spirit that helps us in that transformation process in being born again. So beyond accepting and believing Jesus as our Lord and Savior in our hearts and our minds, we need the Holy Spirit's help to transform us, to change us. As I mentioned, there's a lot of people that don't get that step. They don't understand it's more than just raising your hand. There's more to it than that. Now, you may be asking yourselves, because I ask this all the, all the time, is there a way that we can truly know that someone has been born again, that someone is truly a Christian, and that they have died to their old sin nature? I think all of us, at one time or another, has come to church or has gone somewhere else and heard someone say they're a Christian, and we've wondered, is that person really saved? Do they really know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? So is there a way to know? Well, here's the sad fact in that, is that ultimately, no. Only God knows if someone is truly saved. But what's so awesome about God's Word, what's so awesome about God, is that His Word tells us that even though He is the only one that knows, only God truly knows someone's heart, we can tell a lot about a person, about the fruit that they produce, or by the fruit that they produce. So here are some signs or some fruit that would lead us to believe that someone is truly born again, and that they are dying or have been dying to themselves in their old sin nature. The first one is, do they have a love of God? Do they love God similarly and more than they love their closest friends and their closest family? Is God their everything? When they talk about God, do they have a joy around them? Do they have a joy on their face? Do they love talking about God the way grandparents love talking about their grandchildren? And even more than that. So that's the first thing. Does someone truly love God? Do they, do they experience? Do they show it? Do they express it? Do they obey God's word? I think one of the hardest things to hear, and again, as I mentioned, this news report I watched with my dad, it talked about the number one thing that's really killing the church in America, it's Christians. It's Christians fighting other Christians. It's not non-believers. It's Christians fighting other Christians. That's what's tearing up the church in America. And that's because they're not obeying God's word. 
How can you love God? How can you truly be born again? How can you truly have been experiencing salvation if you're not obedient to God's word? And we talk about scripture telling us to love our neighbor. Well, can you love other Christians that are in your same church? It's a struggle that people have, but that is a sign. It is a fruit of someone that has been born again. Again, ultimately only God knows, but these are some fruit that help us to believe or to feel or to sense that someone is truly born again. Do they love their church? Do they come to church? Is that something that is important to them? Because church is where we encourage each other. Church is where we learn about God. Church is where we serve God and learn how to serve others. Do individuals follow the leading of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God within us, and He wants to guide us and show us God's truth. If you're a believer, it might not always happen, but more often than not, you should be following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Does an individual practice real repentance? We all sin, even though if you truly believe you're saved from those eternal consequences, we all sin each and every day. We know that Jesus even upped what sin is about, that it's not just an act in the Bible, it's a heart condition. Jesus talked about if you look at a woman lustfully, that you have committed adultery in your heart. You don't even have to act on it. It's simply just thinking it. So if I think about hurting someone, if I think about lying, I don't have to act on it for it to be a sin. Jesus one-upped it. But if that happens, do you repent? Do you say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I don't know why I looked at this. I don't know why I thought this about that person. Please forgive me. Do you practice true repentance? It's another fruit that helps us to believe or maybe helps to show or express if someone is truly saved? Do they demonstrate genuine humility? Do they let God be God or do they think maybe they're God? Are they humble? And the final one I put on here, and this one is so hard. And I, I deal with this myself. Can an individual persevere during trials? Because if you are genuinely saved, if you are truly born again, if you've gone through that rebirth process that you've died to your old sin nature and you believe in Jesus with all your heart and your mind, you can persevere the toughest trials in your life. And it's hard because many times we want to quit, we want to give up, we want to run away. I know I've dealt with that. There's times where I just want to run away. But if I'm truly saved, I need to show it and express it by persevering during trials. So why does this matter? Why does rebirth, why does salvation, why is dying to oneself, why is it so important? Well, first and foremost, it's because we need to experience forgiveness of our sins. Because if we don't experience forgiveness for our sins, 
we will face the consequences of the sin, which is eternal separation from God. So first and foremost, that is what is more important, is that we don't want to experience eternal separation from God. So we need to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We need to be born again. And number two, rebirth. And this takes us back to what this series is about. It's the foundation of God doing new things. Because when you're born again, God is doing a new thing in you. You are a new creation. And God can't do something new in you and through you if you're not truly saved. That's why this is so important. And the beginning of the new year is the perfect time to talk about this. God's birthing something new. I'm going to be sharing something today with our joint board, things that God has been speaking to me for the entire church. And that's probably hard for some people to hear, but I just got to say what God's been telling me. And it's not easy. Rebirth is never an easy process. It can be hard. It can hurt. It's all about change, and people hate change. But if God is a God of new beginnings, it means God is a God of change. And praise God for that, because if he left us stuck in the way that we have always been or the way that our nature is, That'd be a really sad and rough day for us. So as we end here, as we end today with the sermon today, and then we start kind of reflecting and thinking about this year, I guess it's not so much reflecting, but thinking forward, maybe reflecting about last year, I want you to ask yourselves, have you truly been born again? And I know if you've gone to church all your lives, you're probably assuming, oh, I totally have. But if that's the case, why again have so many people left the kingdom of God. I would say it's because there's a lot of people out there claiming Christ that are not Christians. Or they don't quite get that there is more than raising your hand. So ask yourselves, am I truly saved? Have I truly been born again? Do I believe and trust in God with both my head and my heart? I've talked about this over and over and over again. Scripture tells us, True belief, true faith is a head and heart thing because one or the other will fail you at one time or another. You have to believe Jesus with all of your mind and all of your heart. So do you. Do you experience and exhibit the fruit that comes from true belief in God? Have you truly died to yourself and your sin nature? Or is it possible you're missing something? Is it possible that you've been going to church, reading the Bible, and doing things Christian or Christians are supposed to do? But if you are 100% honest with yourself, you don't believe in God 100% with all, so that 100%, all your mind and all your heart. Is it 90%? Is it 50%? Because God wants all your mind, all your heart. He wants all of you, not part of you. So where are you at? What percentage do you truly believe in Jesus? Or perhaps you're struggling with trusting God. Maybe it's a trust issue. 
because we know that trust is also part of faith. So maybe you're struggling with trusting God with all of your heart and all of your mind. If either of these scenarios is you, I ask you to pray for God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit to help you overcome your unbelief and lack of trust. We have to pray that because there are times in our life where we don't believe. We don't believe things are going to get better. We don't believe things can change. We don't believe in new beginnings. And Scripture tells us to pray for our unbelief. So even as Christians, we need to pray for those areas where we are not believing God. And lastly, if there is anyone, and there is, so I will just tell you, I know there is, if there is anyone out there who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and maybe it's because you don't know enough about him, it is hard to believe in someone or something, in this case it's a someone, if you don't know much about him. How can you put your faith in a God you know Zippo about. It's possible, but it's not easy. Or maybe, if you're being 100% honest, you've never really cared. God hasn't been on your mind. Salvation, the things of God, it really doesn't matter to you. Maybe because your life is so great, you're so successful that you're doing things on your own and you don't think you need Jesus. Or maybe you're in such a deep, dark hole that just surviving, that's what's on your mind. Well, if that's you, I'm also going to ask you to pray that God would reveal the truth to you about how much you need God in your life. God wants to do something new at Peninsula Hope Church. And the reality is that new thing, it can't happen unless we allow a rebirth to happen in our own lives. We need to change. And it's really interesting because sitting here, right, we're like, wow, there's a lot of empty seats. It's because I'm viewing this as God doing a new something. It's a rebirthing. It's a starting over. The question is, can you be a part of that? Can you be a part of what God wants to do? Because either he's going to do it through you or he's going to do it through someone else. And believe me, it's easy to want to give up. It's easy to want to quit. But is that what God's calling us to do? Or is he saying, I need warriors. I need people who will fight, who will trust, who will believe in what I am going to do. That's what you have to ask yourself. So let me close in prayer. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we're praying for that new Lord, we're praying for that rebirth, for that renewal. Lord Jesus, I pray that what you've shown us over the last two years does not fall on deaf ears. I pray, Lord, that we would be a people of repentance, Lord, because revival only comes when we repent, when we want more of you. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that Peninsula Hope Church, for those who cross its doorways, Lord, would be people who desire more of you and less of ourselves. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us, Lord, to be the kind of church you want us to be. Lord Jesus, I pray for those who have never experienced your love. I pray for those that are maybe just at that tipping point. They are on the fence, Lord Jesus, from either believing 
in you with all their heart and all of their minds, Lord, or walking away from you, Lord. I pray that you would grab their hearts, that they would understand how much they need you. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself in a special way to everyone here. Lord Jesus, that you would meet people where they're at, that Holy Spirit, you would truly help us all to die to ourselves, to our sin nature. Help us to rely on you. Lord, help us all to get closer to that place of submitting our entire lives to you, Lord Jesus. And again, I pray if there are people out there, Lord, that don't know you, whether they are people who have attended this church, if they're people that have walked through our doors, Lord, or our neighbors, people in buildings across the street, Lord, I pray, Lord, that whether it's any of us or someone else, that they would hear the gospel message, Lord Jesus. And I pray for a boldness, that we would not be afraid to share the truth, whether people want to hear it or not, that we would go out there, Lord, and we would make disciples of all people, Lord. Lord, we love you. We serve you. Lord, we need your help. We can't do any of this ourselves. We are incapable of doing any of this, Lord, without you. So we pray this all in your name. Amen.